Welcome to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Who agrees with me that there is power in community? There is power when... Hey, I love that. There is power when... We come together unified around a purpose and we're in agreement. There is something about that. There is a strength about that. There is a momentum about that. And there's greater solutions that come when we put our heads together and we go in the same direction. There is power in community. And I actually experienced this for myself a couple of weeks ago on the Father's Day weekend. And we headed down, my, my brother and his family, my mum and dad and our family, we headed down to one of my favourite places to hang out in Perth, Hyde Park. Who loves Hyde Park? I love that place. It's green, there's water, there's lots of birds, I love birds, uh, there's playgrounds, it's just so cool to hang out, plus there's Chew Bakery across the road where the coffee is beautiful and the donuts are fine. And so we... Uh, we came together, picked our spot. Some of us went off and got the coffees. Pretty much that's the first thing I do when I go to Hyde Park. I, I run to the coffee, to Chew Bakery because you have to line up for ages. And I got the coffee and I had a chili passion fruit donut, which was super tasty. Has anyone had one of those before? You've got to try it out when you go to Chew Bakery next time. Anyway, we headed back and uh, we decided to have a bit of a game, a family game of soccer. And so we're playing soccer and uh, I won't, I won't name, name any names, but amongst the three dads that were playing, there was one dad that kind of stood out, was really, really particularly good at soccer. Uh, anyway, one of the kids started crying and complaining. It wasn't ours, I think it was Tom's kids and my brother's kids. And so the game finished. You know how the game just can finish really abruptly when your kid starts cracking it? And uh, so we thought, oh, let's kick the footy. And Harrison, my 10-year-old, he, he received a, a, his first leather football on his 10th birthday in August. And so this football was so precious to him. And anyway, we're kicking it. And my brother, again, Tom, he, he kicked the football. And he kicked it a little bit high. And it got stuck in a tree. <laughs> I know. And so we're like, oh, no worries. We'll get, that, we'll get that down. We looked up and it was in real deep. It was... It was in there. And as we looked at this tree, we, we noticed the thickness and the density of the branches. And we realized that this is the tree that sporting goods go to die. They go to, to be laid to rest. And so there was a frisbee up there. There were some water bottles stuck up there from people obviously trying to get previous balls down. Anyway, we thought we got this. And so we're all having a, having a crack, trying to throw this soccer ball up. But there wasn't a clear path. So we thought we better use a bit more force. So we decided to start kicking this soccer ball up. And who knows, that's fraught with danger when you've got two-year-old kids hanging around. And so we're booting this ball and pretty much doing hammies as we're doing it. And, and it's, you know how you give it your best shot and it hits like the first branch and then just comes straight back down? Anyway, we're all having a go and nothing's working. We are getting frustrated. And so some of us are like, should we just give up? Should we just buy Harry another football? Others were like, no, come on, let's keep having a crack. Let's keep, keep going for it. Anyway, we keep throwing this soccer ball up. Next thing, the soccer ball gets stuck in the tree. Done. Anyway, by then, there'd been a, there was a few people that were actually taking notice to, to the Gould plight. And uh, someone came over and they had their own soccer ball. And they said, oh, can we help? Can we, can we help you get the ball down? And I'm like, power of community. That'll preach one day. And uh, I'm preaching it now. Goodness me. 
And so I said to him, I warned him, I issued this warning. I said, if you ever want to know what it feels like to have that soccer ball run through your fingers again, you will turn around and you will run. And they said, no, we won't be deterred. We want to help. There's power in community. And so we start throwing this soccer ball up. And hallelujah, the other soccer ball came down. Yay! And so we're like, oh, yeah, little win. So some of us, there was a little bit more hope in some of us to go, yeah, we can keep going for this, for this football. The others were like, let's cut our losses, man. We, we had a little win. Let's finish on a high. We don't want to, you know, be here until it gets dark. And so... We decided, no, we've, we've got to keep going. We've got to get this football down. And so we started thinking of some other ideas, some more creative ideas. And my, my brother, he had his work ute there and, and there was an extendable ladder in his work ute. And he thought, what if I drove onto Hyde Park, right directly underneath the tree, we extended the ladder, someone stood on the roof of the ute and we actually then tried to get the football down. But the, the name of his work is actually on his work here, and, and if a ranger came past, we could be in trouble, so we couldn't do that. But we thought, let's, we've got to use this ladder somehow. And so then the creative ideas really started flowing. We thought, okay, could we tape Lucy to the end of that ladder? And then I looked at my mother, who works for Child Protection, and, and, and we decided against that, prayerfully. Uh, <laughs> And then we were pretty much out of ideas, and I saw a broom in, in the back of my brother's ute, and I thought, let's just last gasp effort, let's tie this broom to the end of the ladder, and let's just see if it'll reach. Yeah, no worries, let's try it. And so we tie it to the end of the ladder, and, and Tom and I come down, we come directly underneath this football, and we're both holding it up as high as we can, we're on tippy toes, and it pretty much reached. And so we're like, there's hope, we can do this. By now, there's like... Thousands of people gathered. They are just amazed by what we're doing, the lengths we go to for this leather piece of ball. And, and so we got it up there and we gave it a swing and it was a fresh airy. We hit nothing and the, the ladder almost landed on Lucy and so that would have been a bad day. And so we tried again, swing the other way, absolute fresh airy. Oh, come on, man, we've got to try this. One last, one last swing, and it was like the sweetest connection. You know, like the 2016 grand final, and we're in the last quarter, and Tom Boyd picks that ball up after Dale Morris, who's got a broken back, tackles Lance Franklin, the ball spills free. Tom Boyd picks that ball up from inside the center square, and he just goes bang. And the western suburbs erupt. I remember Dennis Cometti saying that. And it was just the sweetest of connections. The ball goes through for goal and we win the grand final. Anyway, where was I? What am I talking about? Eagles. Who's an Eagles fan? Who's excited about the grand final next week? Yeah, whatever. Anyway, it was the sweetest connection and it's boom. Flush this ball and the ball dislodges and we're like, come on. And so we're all our eyes are on this ball as we're doing, 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 please don't get stuck again. And then finally, fresh air and it lands on the grass. We got the football back. Hallelujah. There is a God. Praise the Lord. We did it. We all pitched in. There was everyone coming up with ideas, everyone giving it a crack. That is the power of community. Wow. Without that power, that football would still be stuck up there. My son would still be crying himself to sleep. It was 
a wonderful, wonderful moment. There is, in all seriousness, power in community. There is power in our agreement. Not pulling in opposing directions, but going in the same direction. And as a church community, one of the most impacting roles that you and I can have is that we can come alongside each other and we can pray for each other. We can intercede for each other. We can stand in the gap for each other as we come to a God who can do amazing, incredible things and pray for one another. And here are some real life examples from people in our church of the power of others praying for them. When I was diagnosed with cancer, a friend organized a group to meet together regularly, pray for me throughout my treatment. It was an incredible support and source of encouragement and hope when I was at my weakest and I believe directly contributed to the health I enjoy today. Thank God for praying friends. Over 30 years ago, my mother was at home resting and suddenly a spirit of intercession came on her. She started praying in tongues for safety for her family. I was driving home from the shops and my seven-year-old son leant on the car door which opened and he fell onto the road. He was unheard apart from a few grazers and the car directly behind us miraculously managed to avoid running over him. Thank God for praying mothers. Our connect group, here's another one. Our connect group prayed for a non-believer, an 88-year-old who had broken her arm. Doctors advised due to her age, healing would be a long, slow process. However, when she had an x-ray after five weeks, doctors were amazed that the break was 99% healed. Last one, my son hurt his arm. He was examined by three doctors, had multiple x-rays. The doctors looked over him, determined that he'd broken both his elbow and his wrist. We had an appointment 10 days later back at the hospital where he had to be re-x-rayed and examined. So I sent an email to my connect group plus parents, in-laws, other friends for healing. And amazingly, at that appointment, the doctor said we could start weaning him off the sling and the splint. My son felt so much better, and after I told him the news that it was an answer to prayer because so many people were praying for him, he said, God healed me. Don't you love the faith of a child? I'm so thankful to God for God's goodness and the absolute power of a praying community. I'll say it again. There is power in community. There is power in agreement. There is power in the prayers that you and I pray for each other because of the all-powerful nature of the one in which we pray to. I spoke to Pastor Lowe Tapira up in the Pilbara this week, and they're so excited about moving from Tom Price to Newman to be able to launch this mobile training hub that we announced uh, back in August through beyond. But since it's been announced, Hell's broken loose in their family and all sorts of of, of challenges have come their way and relational challenges within their family. Anyway, back then when he told us that, that they were having these challenges, I went to our team and we went to prayer. And when we spoke this week, I said, how are things going? He said, things have turned around dramatically. They are in a much better space. And I said, what was the catalyst for the turnaround? And he said it began to shift as soon as they read a text from me letting them know that there were people interceding for them. It gave them a sense of confidence. It lifted their faith and their hope and it felt like they weren't alone. You and I are not alone. We don't have to suffer in 
silence. We don't have to struggle and face challenges on our own. And sometimes we can be in the midst of a challenge and we go to God, but we know that that, that faith grunt is lacking. We know that that hope is lacking. But we, we, to know that when we reach out and ask for prayer and there's someone who's going to come and stand alongside us who's got that faith grunt, it can make all the difference. And Jesus models this spirit of intercession of praying for others as we read John 17. His longest recorded prayer in the Bible. This prayer, which scholars actually call the intercessory prayer, shows us that Jesus prays. He believes in the power of prayer because he trusts the character and the ability of his Father God. And last week, week one of Jesus' prays, we focused on verses 1 to 5 of this prayer as Jesus prays for himself. And here he prays that his relationship with Father God would be number one. That he would be aligned to God's purpose. That God would be glorified throughout his life and that God would come and help him. Help him as he went to the cross and he went to his death. And for you and I, as we prioritize prayer, as we prioritize relationship with God, building that relationship, a richness in that relationship, we align ourselves to his purpose for our life. We glorify him and we also give him the opportunity to come in and help us in our time of need. That was last week. This week, we're looking at the next part of Jesus' prayer. Here he prays not for himself, he prays for his disciples. He prays for the ones who would carry the gospel, the truth in love to the world. And he calls out to God. His Father, on behalf of these disciples, he intercedes for these people because he knows the impact that praying for others has. Let's pray right now. God, today, I pray for a spirit of intercession to rise in every one of us, that as a church community, we would be unified, that we would call upon the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, as we pray for each other, we will see things shift. We will see you move. We will see breakthrough. I declare a fresh boldness and faith coming upon our prayers, coming upon our intercession from this moment forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's read, or we're about to read uh, Jesus' second part of his prayer in, in, in uh, chapter 17, verse six, 6 to 9. But I love this part of the prayer because it real, reveals Jesus' concern, his heart, his deep love for his disciples. He believed in them. He'd entrusted them with this distinct purpose. They'd beheld and they'd received the gospel, the truth, the good news from Jesus Christ himself. And that they were to carry this good news to the ends of the earth. And it's important for you and I when we're interceding for each other, when we're praying for each other, that we believe the best in each other. That we believe God has a distinct purpose for each other. A purpose that, that, each, that we are all going to fulfill together. And so let's read Verse 6, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. 
before Jesus launches into praying specifically for his disciples, he establishes in prayer who his disciples were. And Jesus says in his prayer that his disciples are those who knew, accepted, and obeyed God's word. They were people who believed in and trusted that Jesus is who he says he is. And they were people who were distinct from the world, distinct from the world's values and from the world's motivations. It's really interesting here that, that we read the first couple of 12 references to the world in this prayer for Jesus' disciples. Here, Jesus is establishing a distinction, a clear delineation between the world and his disciples. He's saying here that there is a spirit in this world that is in direct opposition to the values of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom was established through the finished work of Jesus Christ and then advanced first through the Holy Spirit-empowered disciples and later through a Holy Spirit-filled and led church. That's you and I. And so there's a distinct mission here for his disciples. And he knows that humanity depends on it. And so Jesus is making it very clear that he is interceding for his disciples. But you might say, isn't the world lost? The disciples had found Jesus. The world hadn't. Isn't the world lost? Isn't it broken? Isn't the world in desperate need of healing? Surely Jesus has a heart for the world. Why doesn't he pray here for the world? I don't think it's that he doesn't care about the world. I think he demonstrated pretty clearly through Jesus Christ that he deeply cares for humanity. He loves them. But he doesn't pray for the world first because he knows that the world won't all of a sudden come to its senses and change on its own. He prays for his disciples because he knows that it's through them. They're going to play a vital part in the plan to change and to save the world. The world's values of deceit and greed, pride, lust, death, disunity and confusion. It will be overcome by kingdom values, by life, by truth, by unity, by faith, hope and love that are on display through the disciples' lives and present in the church. And he does actually pray later for those in the world that would come to know him. But we're going to cover that in Jesus Praise Week 3. You're just going to have to come back. Keep coming back. And so what does he actually pray for his disciples? He's established who his disciples are. What does he actually pray for them? Let's read on in, in verse 10. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. And he's talking about Judas here. Verse 13, I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Jesus prays. He prays here for his disciples and he prays for protection. He doesn't here pray that, 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 that God would remove his, the disciples from the world. He prays that they would be protected whilst in the world, whilst on mission to change the world. It wasn't a, ga- a prayer guaranteeing safety away from the world. It's pain, it's hardship, it's suffering, but a prayer of preservation that through the challenges, the disciples would stand. And the church has had an interesting relationship with the world over the years. Humanity loves extremes, don't we? And the church is full of humans, aren't we? And at times our response to the world has been one of two extremes. Either conformity or complete withdrawal from it. And in our own lives as Christians, as we face challenges to our faith, we can respond also to those two extremes. We can swing from liberally inviting the values of the world into our lives to water down and essentially define our faith all the way the other way to legalistically shutting down and and ourselves away from anything that we may view as worldly. I love what John Dixon says here. He says, The church must avoid pandering to the world and reacting angrily against it. We must be cheerful, risk-taking fools for Christ. (laughs) I just feel like laughing after that. (laughs) I'm a fool. (laughs) You see, the way to go, the the way we we should respond is somewhere in between. We are grace-fueled, yet self-controlled. We are truth-seeking, yet loving abundantly. We're to flee from sin whilst positioning ourselves where God can continually come in and align align our hearts to his heart for humanity. We're to be watchful, but not hysterical. We must not take ourselves out of the world, but remain in meaningful contact with it, trusting in God's protection while we share Jesus. And like Jesus, as we pray for each other, let's pray that in every situation... Fellow Christians would be protected from the evil one and preserved from the values of the world in order for God to prevail, for his love to be revealed and his plan to be completed for humanity. That through the pain and the suffering at times that we experience, there would come joy, there would come blessing, there would come health and there would come growth. Our prayer for ourselves and for fellow Christians is never to be ease and happiness, yet impact and fulfillment. And as we pray, let us boldly pray and intercede in the name above every other name. In the name of Jesus, there is power in his name. And so our friends and our family, our connect group, our leaders, our church, those that don't know him, they will be protected as we pray in the name of Jesus. You see, Jesus' name represents his pure and holy character. His name represents his victory over sin and death. And his name represents authority that he has as the true king of kings. And so as we pray in his name for others, 
we can trust that our prayers will have an impact. Let's finish this part of the prayer, verse 17. He's prayed for protection. Now he prays for sanctification. He, he prays this. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus prays that his disciples would be sanctified. Sanctification means to be set apart. He prays that his disciples would continually be set apart. They would continually be convinced of their value and empowered for his purpose. Jesus prays that through the word that he has given them, this this gospel, this truth, that his disciples would experience a real heart, mind and lifestyle transformation. That they would become more like Jesus And the more his disciples become like Jesus, the more you and I as Christians become like Jesus, the more we are able to fulfill the plan, the purpose of our lives, and the more the world around us is going to change because Jesus is the answer. And so as we intercede for each other, let us pray for protection and let us pray for sanctification, that we would hear God's words, that we would heed them, that we would obey them, That strength would come, that purpose would rise in each other's hearts, that obstacles would be removed and that true life transformation would take place. Because as those values of the kingdom of God come alive on this planet, people will take notice. Our prayers for each other matter. They make a difference. I'll remind us again by sharing a couple more examples from people in this church, during a time of burnout that resulted in fear and anxiety, the prayer and support from pastors and Christian friends got me through it. Through that, I was able to keep my focus on Jesus and find freedom and victory in my mind as well as physical healing. One more, through the prayers of my connect group, I experienced peace and comfort in place of horrific, sorry, previous horrific anxiety attacks. There is a great comfort in knowing that anyone can ring our Connect Group leader at any hour. I, I, f- I think we should know the name of that Connect Group leader. <laughs> I want to call them. <laughs> I really just love being a part of this church across our four locations. I love how dynamic it is amongst the generations. I, I love this church also because this church believes in the power of prayer. This church believes in the power of interceding for each other. Here are some examples of that. Over 150 people in our church are on a regular email list called the Prayer Net. And they're ready to pray for people who send in requests. And so anyone in our church, anyone from outside of our church can go onto our church website and send a prayer request through. And within 24 hours, 150 people are praying for them. There are weekly intercessory prayer meetings led by Pastor Cherry. There are regular corporate prayer meetings across all areas of our church, including every Sunday before every service. There's regular prayer in connect groups. There's an opportunity to receive prayer down the front after every service. We've run Ascend prayer meetings this year. Who's been to an Ascend prayer meeting? Just give me a wave. Were they they good? Did you enjoy those? I think we should have one more maybe. Yeah, so we're going to do one in October. I'm just going to pick a a date. Uh, Let's go the 31st of October. 
It's Halloween, but who cares? Uh, 7.30 to 8.30, Wednesday, the 31st of October here. And uh, we'll promote that again in the coming weeks. I love that our church is a praying church. And can I just let you, let you in on a secret? I love the fact that our pastoral team and staff are praying people. Do you know they pray for you regularly? You know they love, they love you. They want the best for you. And so this team holds up our church regularly, every week, for you. So that health would come into every area of your life. So that growth would come into every area of your life. I love that we are a praying church. There is power in our prayers. You know what? We all have the privilege and the responsibility to lift each other up in prayer. It's a weapon available to everyone. Not just the pastors, not just the holy ones. You know, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead is is on the inside of you. If you've confessed Jesus Christ is Lord, you've received the Holy Spirit. There is power in your prayers. There is power. Heaven moves. God hears and God answers. And so our prayers for our spouses, for our kids, for our family, they matter. When we pray in the name of Jesus for our connect group, it matters. In our volunteer teams, it matters. For our leaders and pastors, our prayers matter. For the people that we love in this church and the people we don't get on so well with in this church. You can pray for someone you don't really like and that prayer still matters. Our prayers for the church globally matter. There is power in our prayer. There is power in our agreement. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.